folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Hey everybody, Matthew Collar here. Make sure you're paying attention at the end of the show to hear an exclusive trailer for a new podcast from Blue Wire Studios called Golden Goal, Stories of Soccer Legends. It's narrated by Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly, and each Monday, two new episodes will take a look at some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Messi to Rapino and many, many more, each episode will focus on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and listen to Golden Goal, Stories of Soccer Legends, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's start the football talk. Welcome into another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, and I am joined by ESPN's Myron Metcalf. And Myron, as soon as Cam Newton signed with the New England Patriots, I thought, I need one person and one person in particular's analysis of Cam Newton to the New England Patriots, and that is Myron Metcalf. So let's just begin there with your hot takery on Cam joining the Patriots. I mean, is is there a luckier franchise? In, in sports, man, like you lose Tom Brady, and and here you are, not just getting Cam Newton, but getting Cam Newton for pennies on the dollar, uh, and, and having a complete win-win situation for you if you're the Patriots and Belichick, because if if Cam is still not healthy, if he's still not the Cam of old, uh, okay, you, you got a backup sitting right there, a young guy that you've been waiting to test out. Um, and if he is great, you got a great year out of him potentially, and then you can figure out what to do next summer. You know, it's just, it seems impossible that that, they would be that fortunate. And I'm just intrigued, man. I'm intrigued by Cam's skill set in an offense that's governed by a coordinator and a coach who've done a great job of limiting the risks that Tom Brady subjected, subjected himself to. And you've got a guy in Cam Newton who's taken probably far too many risks in his career. So, like, what's the what's the balance there? And I'm just fascinated by what we might see, but I love the, the move. I, I disagree with the people who are saying, how could anyone else have you – know, why didn't Cam get more opportunities? I mean, Cam hasn't played football in two years consistently. 
Uh, Cam is coming off some serious injuries in the middle of a pandemic. And if Cam Newton wants to be a starter in the league for a team that is good or, or has a chance to be good, like where does he go? I mean, more than anything to me, it was less about Cam Newton and more about maybe the richest crop of quarterbacks that we've seen in this league in a long time. The veterans that we thought would be gone are still playing at a high level. Your mid-career Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins guys, they're not going anywhere. This young batch of quarterbacks, your Lamar Jacksons, your Patrick Mahomes, even a guy like a Kyler Murray going into the second year, those guys are, are set. Uh, and then you even got young guys like, okay, Cincinnati, maybe they wanted a veteran. They got Joe Burrow. They're going to build around him. Uh, uh, you got Dwayne Haskins in Washington. Maybe they wanted to make a move, but they want to see what he has too. So there just weren't that many opportunities. And I think Cam fell into the perfect spot. If he's healthy, I think we could see a team that might be the third best team in the AFC. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know if anyone has enough information at this point to decide which Cam we're going to see. But my goodness, man. There's not a team I want to see more than Cam Newton and the New England Patriots right now. I'm excited about Brady and the Bucks and all the other teams, but give me Cam Newton, New England. Uh, I can't wait to see that pairing, man. I agree with you that I don't think that Cam was victimized here. When you've had this amount yeah. of injuries recently, not getting a big contract with a lot of money should not come as a surprise. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater did get kind of a huge deal to go to Carolina for somebody that had his catastrophic injury, but he stayed healthy for a couple of years now, and you're getting a guy who just went 5-0 and filling in as a starter. So you get paid for that. Uh, Andy Dalton ends up as a backup, but he gets paid more than Cam Newton, but he has been healthy and just mediocre over his last few years. Cam Newton has not just little injuries. They're massive injuries. The Liz Cronk thing is a huge problem for somebody who runs all the time. And a shoulder issue, I remember hearing this about pitchers in baseball, that if you have a shoulder injury, it would be like a horse in racing breaking its leg. Like it's very, very hard to come back from when you have a shoulder injury. Now Drew Brees, of course, did it. But Drew Brees is maybe the most accurate passer in the history of our universe. And that is not Cam Newton. And when his shoulder went down, he really, really struggled. And this is not a guy who has ever relied on pinpoint accuracy. He's relied mostly on explosive plays. Uh, throwing into tight windows, throwing lasers down the field and getting big chunks of yardage and then getting more big chunks of yardage with his legs. And that's how he's he's won a lot of football games, which, you know, he deserves all the credit for, but that was in the past. You're not paying for his 2015 season. You're paying for what the market is for an often injured player over the last few years. And you really have to go back to get any sample of him playing to the beginning of 2018 where he was healthy in North Turner's offense. And surprisingly with North Turner, he was throwing the ball a lot shorter and no surprise, his completion percentage, which has been a big criticism of him, that went up as they were designing him to get a lot more easy completions and yards. And I do think that if Josh McDaniels knows anything, it's easy completions. I mean, he's been doing this for Tom Brady for a few years now to get your James White 75 catches a year out of the backfield and Julian Edelman with three-yard out routes that he can you know, take for 10 more yards that I think it's a really good fit for the offensive coordinator that he lands with too. And I I wonder if you think, if you were a gambling man, would you have the Patriots as 
the champions of the AFC East with this happening? It's too early for me to say, um, but I, I picked them now, I guess. You know, I'm not 100% on that, only because I don't know Cam's health. If Cam is healthy, I think they're a step ahead of Buffalo. But I also think people are dreaming if they think Buffalo is an easy out. And that Buffalo, that defense and what they were able to do last year and how they came on and the chance that Josh Allen develops here and next year. I mean, I don't think that's an easy matchup for, for anyone, clearly. But but I think you'd have to give it to New England if you get a healthy Cam Newton. And, and you know, to your point about Josh McDaniels, it's, it's about the short throws, but it's about getting the ball out of your hands as quickly as possible because we want you to stay on your feet which is what they did so well with Tom Brady, is they kept him on his feet uh, and they helped him play until his early 40s. Cam Newton, my biggest question is, how does he play? Because if you're Josh McDaniels, the first thing I think you're saying to Cam is, listen, you're in your early 30s now. I helped a guy play for another decade from where you are right now at a high level. And I want the same for you. But you're going to have to take fewer risks and more calculated risk if you're going to make this work. So how does Cam respond to that? Can can Cam be more of, and it's basketball, but a setup man, a John Stockton, or does he have to be Malone? Because I think that's going to dictate how he performs in New England. Let's be honest, man. The real star of the New England Patriots show is that defense and what they've been able to do, and what they were able to do last year. I mean, that's the unit that's going to make or break your team. If you're going to win the AFC East, you're going to have to have a great defense. If you're going to contend in the AFC, you either got to stop Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. Defense is going to win championships in the AFC. So how does Cam respond to that? Because I think if Josh McDaniels can put him in the right mindset where it's not about showing everything you can do on every single play, and it's more about knowing when to use sort of that uncanny skill set, I think that, to me, is the perfect marriage for Cam Newton because I think he can be a very effective and efficient player. And when he had North Turner and he was healthy in the first half of 2018, he looked as comfortable as we've ever seen him in his career. And he looked like a guy who was headed in the right direction before the injuries. So I just think I want to know Cam's mindset, man. I want to know if he's here to – prove something to everybody and and try to get some big contract in 2021 and doing that and playing that way could hurt him. I mean, you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater came in and said, listen, I'm going to be efficient. I'm going to be effective. I'm not going to make a ton of big plays. Guess what? I don't have to. I've got Michael Thomas. I've got Kamara. I've got all these other weapons around me. I'm just going to show you guys that I can lead a franchise and not lose a game. And that's what I did. I think Cam Newton can take the same approach and not only have a lot of success with New England, but put himself in the perfect position for another big deal next summer. Yeah, and when you think about last year, Tom Brady ends up with an 88 quarterback rating, and that team is still one of the best teams overall in the NFL. Now, they don't have weapons to give Cam, but they do have a very creative offensive coordinator that I think would know how to play to his strengths. And it seems like Belichick has been a fan of Cam for a while and uh, he used to shred apart the Patriots, it seemed like, every time that they would play, and I would imagine Belichick likes that, but also Belichick is the ultimate play-to-your-strengths type of coach, and when you go to somebody who is not going to ask you to do things that you can't do, that's a big advantage, I think, for him in this situation. Now, 
the looking forward on Cam is very interesting for the 2020 season. The looking back on Cam is always an uh, intriguing debate to see what people value when it comes to a quarterback because Cam is just a completely different person from so many of these other quarterbacks. He's the most prolific runner outside of Michael Vick of all time, but even Michael Vick maybe didn't do it for long enough um, with, with Cam Newton has done it for his entire career. He's definitely the most prolific threat ever at the goal line, which is a big deal scoring touchdowns last time I checked, but not the most accurate passer also did not have great supporting casts. What was it? Ted Ginn was his leading wide receiver when the Calvin Benjamin. Yeah. Not a good group. Right. Calvin Benjamin, uh, he leaves Carolina. He's out of the league. And uh, so Cam has had to put a lot on his shoulders over the years. They didn't necessarily have superstar running backs either that could be in the backfield and play off of him until they got Christian McCaffrey. And then he gets hurt. I was looking this up. Uh, Pro football reference has a statistic called approximate value, which is kind of, sort of a win, wins above replacement type of thing. It tries to um, take your individual contribution to your team's success. And so it adds up over the years. And I, and I was looking at active players. And Cam Newton right now is in the top 15 of players that are active. And some of them just built up a lot of stats over the years, like Eli Manning is on this list, but that's years and years and years. The top quarterbacks are Brady, Breeze, Rivers, Roethlisberger, Rodgers, Ryan, and then Manning, Eli Manning. And then after that, Russell Wilson and Cam Newton. So kind of this era's quarterbacks. Where would you put him if we were looking at, say, 2006, 2005 to 2020, the last 15 years? Like where, do we, where do we rank Cam Newton for NFL quarterbacks? You know, I mean, there's obviously that class of your Manning, Breeze, Brady, I mean, Rodgers, guys like that. I mean, I thought those are your top four or five, but Cam is right there behind them when healthy. I mean, if you add up the times that Cam Newton has been healthy, he has certainly been one of the most potent weapons this league has ever seen. But you also can't just ignore the injuries because there have been so many of them. You know, he's not a guy where you can say, oh, you know, Brady getting hurt and missing most of the season. I mean, this is a guy who's missed chunks of multiple seasons. Uh, in the prime of his career. But I think healthy Cam Newton, I don't know that there are six quarterbacks during that stretch you're describing that you would necessarily want over him. Um, there's there's definitely some who, who have been elite and some of the best of all time. But once you get outside that best of all time group or, or future Hall of Famers like a Russell Wilson, I think Cam Newton is in that conversation. But I also understand the people who say, wait a minute. We haven't seen him healthy, and you don't know if he's healthy now. So I get all the questions about Cam Newton's physical makeup, especially in the middle of a pandemic where, you know, he looks great working out, but that ain't football, right? You know, defensive ends aren't coming to take his head off. I I do have a problem with the people who question things outside that. Cam Newton's work ethic has never has never been an issue. Like no one has ever said that Cam Newton is not trying hard enough, that Cam, Cam Newton isn't putting in the work. And a lot of people will take the, the flamboyance, the post-game outfits, the post-game celebrations, or, or the, the, the touchdown celebrations, and they'll say, well, I don't know if you want that guy to be your leader. What does that even mean? 
Belichick and Cam Newton will work out because both of them are crazy about football. And you've got Belichick. Well, I don't care what anybody says. Is out to prove that he can do this without Tom Brady. I don't care what anybody says. He understands that his legacy is intertwined with Tom Brady's, and he wants to prove, listen, I was the mastermind behind this. And you've got a guy in Cam Newton who was obsessed, obsessed with proving everybody in Carolina wrong, every fan wrong, and trying to show that, hey, you guys remember when I was MVP? You guys remember when I led that team to the Super Bowl? You remember how great I was when I was healthy? Now watch this next chapter of my, of my career. But I, I think the injuries, I get it. But all the other stuff beyond that is crazy to me. He, he works hard. He's an incredible talent. And, yeah, I don't know that there are six or seven quarterbacks that you would take over Cam Newton, healthy Cam Newton, during that period you're describing. But I don't know. Is that crazy? Before we get back to the conversation, I want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. They just launched their partnership with Michelob Golden Light for the Mick Golden Light Fishing Club merch line. The logo includes a walleye chugging a beer, and they have it on shirts, hoodies, windbreakers, and more. If you haven't seen it yet, you definitely have to check it out. And also, we're going to hook you up with free shipping for your order. Just use the promo code Purple Insider for free shipping. That's SodaStick, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. No, not at all. I mean, the hard thing to separate with Cam Newton and a lot of the other great quarterbacks of the era is just that your Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady were so, and Peyton Manning in his era, so prolific as passers, and Roethlisberger too, and this is someone who was not and did it completely differently. I mean, if you look at numbers that show the efficiency of his passing, even like uh, adjusted yards per attempt, they're not great when it comes to Cam for many seasons. I mean, his first couple of years, uh, he was averaging almost eight yards per attempt, but that dipped quite a bit. 2015 looks more like an outlier season. And, and I don't even look at really quarterback rating entirely, but just um, what you did yards per attempt combined with your completion percentage and, and all that sort of stuff, it doesn't speak too highly of him as a pure passer. And neither do his pro football uh, focused type of grades that just grade that uh, per throw basis. And efficiency has been the name of the game over the last 15 years. So Tom Brady completes 70% of his passes, throws two interceptions a year, and keeps moving the chains and moving the chains. I think that when we look at someone like Cam Newton and we pull up his stat page, it's a little bit different than those guys, but you also have to consider kind of how he did it with more explosive plays, more throws down the field. He led the league in – 2012 and yards per completion and kind of stayed in that range of 12 to 13 yards per completion in a league where we were seeing yards per completion go down and down and down with a lot of shorter passes. And if you ignore the running part, if you just took all those touchdowns from his running and dropped them into his category on his pro football reference page of passing touchdowns, because Brady wasn't running touchdowns and Rivers wasn't and Roethlisberger wasn't, uh, if you dropped in 14 touchdowns in a year or 50 or 60 touchdowns, you'd have a lot better quarterback rating. And, you know, I I also think sometimes that the name of the game is winning and there are a lot of different people that win in a lot of different ways. Drew Brees cannot throw a football 50 yards. He wins by just cutting you apart with a scalpel. And 
you know, I, I go back to, I'm, I've talked about it on the show before, but like someone like Jim McMahon or Teddy Bridgewater, like they did, they win by never turning the ball over by being safe, by playing to the score. So if you are down, then you start to let it loose. Then you start to use your arm a little bit more. And those guys were good at it when they were asked to do that. So Cam won in a way that very few quarterbacks have ever won. And for a long time, we were told that you can't win this way with somebody who was a, a running quarterback uh, as, a, as a big part of it. And he was able to do that. Now, from the personality point, I would just suggest that anybody, if you want to hear about what Cam Newton is like to play with, go back and listen to my podcast with Jeremiah Searles, who played with him for an entire training camp and preseason before Jeremiah got hurt. But he raved about Cam Newton as a teammate. And unprompted, I didn't ask him about it. He just, I asked him to tell me his the, the best players he ever played with, and he named Cam and talked nonstop about how Cam would take care of his teammates and how they loved playing with him, how competitive he was, how, like you said, obsessed with football he was, how he picked up the new offense really fast and was in complete command of it. So from a personality standpoint, if you're reaching back to, hey, he took some money at Auburn, good for him. I'm glad. Uh, Hey, he uh, said that one thing in the media that one time, which he apologized for right after. I mean, the the stretches that – people have to make just say you don't like him I mean but when we're actually making legitimate arguments that's pretty hard to do especially when across the board his teammates come out and say no this was actually a great guy to play with yeah and I think that obsession and that chip on his shoulder is what Belichick will love and you know to your point Cam doesn't fit anybody's mold I mean he's the greatest athlete I think we've ever seen at that position and that's no disrespect to Michael Vick uh, or anyone else we've seen do this. But I, but I think, I mean, you look at the guy, 6'5", built like a linebacker or something. I mean, he shouldn't be able to do the things that he does with his body. Now, part of the problem is he has those gifts and he's used them often, and that leads to injuries. But when I think about him and the Patriots, man, I think about a team that will will, will – eat you up, you know, little by little. They're a bite-sized kind of team, five yards here, eight yards there. And then all of a sudden, you get Cam Newton inside the 20, not knowing what he might do, whether he runs, whether he dumps it off. Uh, That, to me, is the kind of team that they can be with Cam Newton, just putting him in a position to make big plays. I think that will be the goal. And if you tell me that Cam Newton will be healthy and – he will consistently get opportunities in the red zone to make his mark and to make big plays. I think New England could have uh, an incredibly difficult offense to stop uh, when it comes to those situations. And you combine that with the defense, and they can compete with anybody. Uh, Cam, to me, again, it goes back to risk. Because, I mean, what he did with North Turner was great. But I don't know if the injuries since then have – maybe limited his ability to be that efficient again. Like, we maybe saw Pete Cam Newton as a thrower already. Like, I think it's fair to to question that. So what else does he offer? He's still probably going to be fast and strong and have all these physical gifts. But how do you put him in a position so that he's not sitting on the sideline on week four? And that's up to Josh McDaniels and Belichick. That's what they have to figure out. But I, I think Belichick is just so excited to have someone like Cam Newton sitting there ready to bring him into that offense and, and turn him into 
the new leader of the New England Patriots, knowing what he can do. And you said, you know, the Patriots are a play to your strengths kind of franchise. And I think that's why we got to stop saying, well, Brady did this in that offense. It's not going to be the same offense. It can't be under Cam Newton. Cam Newton uh, has a different skill set. We all understand that. He's not the efficient passer that Tom Brady was. But Tom Brady wasn't the versatile playmaker that Cam Newton can be when he's healthy. So the idea of Belichick and Josh McDaniels game planning around what healthy Cam Newton, if he's healthy, can do, that's the most fascinating storyline in the NFL right now, in my opinion. Nothing against Tom Brady. Tom Brady's got a ton of weapons in Tampa Bay. I mean, you had a guy who was half the quarterback throw for 5,000 yards in that offense. We know what Tom Brady can do uh, with all those pieces. Cam Newton in, in New England is more of a mystery. But I think that's how Belichick likes it, man, for people to feel like you can't pull this off. And then he's going to. And then we'll all say, you know, he told us. What I really respect about Bill Belichick is that he only thinks in terms of championships and he does the things that give you a shot at a championship or they will blow up in your face. And those are the only two options. When you trade for Randy Moss to come from Oakland to New England, you are either, I know they didn't win, but you're either going to the Super Bowl or it's going to be a giant disaster and it will ruin your franchise. But he will always take the option, Albert Hainsworth, like, there was, a, there was a chance Albert Hainsworth would come in and be the most dominating defensive tackle in the NFL, and he didn't, but it was worth that shot. How about Aqib Tlaib had plenty of issues before he yeah. went to New England. He's always willing to take that risk if the ceiling on that risk is you could potentially go to the Super Bowl, and a lot of teams just will not go there. A lot of teams will, and this is what I like about the Patrick Mahomes move for Kansas City. Like Alex Smith capped what you could have for success. And they just decided, you know what, he's good, good at football, love him, great guy, but no, we can't cap our success at just being a first round out in the playoffs. And Chicago did that to themselves this year. They're not winning the Super Bowl with Nick Foles slash Mitch Trubisky. They might not make the playoffs. You capped yourself at, hey, if it works out, maybe you go 10 and 6. And that's okay, and you'll all keep your jobs and everything else, but you could add Cam Newton instead, and maybe it blows up. That's that's what job security does for you as well, and that's a big part of it is that you can take those types of risks. Um, so I wanted to switch gears with you and talk about a list that I found because it is list season in yes, the NFL. Is. This is where it's like every day there's a new list that the entire internet could be mad about. But this might be one of the first times in history of lists and football that I found one that a lot of people maybe not agreed entirely on the order – but agreed on the names of this list. So this was from CBS, their top 10 coaches for the 2020 season. I'm going to read them, and you can react whatever way you want to. So they had Belichick as number one, Andy Reid number two, then John Harbaugh, Sean Payton, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Mike Tomlin, Pete Carroll, Doug Peterson, and Mike Zimmer coming in as the 10th best coach in the NFL. Reaction? Uh, it's, it's a really good list. I mean, I don't know who you would swap out, you know, at this point. I think the the best coaches in the league are, are right there. John Harbaugh is too high, you know. To, to me, uh, he's not over Sean Payton. I'm picking Sean Payton any day of the week. Har- Harbaugh, to me, isn't that – he's got the Super Bowl, right? So, you know, you have to give him that, that credit. But I don't know that he's significantly better than Zimmer. You, you know, I think they have a similar kind of makeup and – 
And, and the thing about Arbor was a couple of years ago, we were talking about him maybe having to save his job. And then Lamar Jackson blossoms into this savant that few people thought he could become. And that kind of turned things around. Now, I think he's a top 10 coach, but Sean Payton is, is above him. I love that Shanahan's on the list. Listen, there's not a whole lot you got to see. We know what this guy is. I mean, that's why they just gave him another gigantic extension in San Francisco. You know what a guy can coach. And, and when you take, you know, those players on that offense, that defense and what they become, you got to give them credit. I mean, that was one of the more efficient offenses in the league. And, and Shanahan was a big part of that. So I think he belongs in that sort of guys you would pick right now, top four or five for sure. Uh, yeah, like everyone else, Tomlin could be higher. I mean, you know, he's a guy who Tomlin has, I think his consistency is underrated. And I think what he did, really what he's done the last couple of years, he had to deal with Le'Veon Bell saying, I'm out. I'm not going to show up. He had to deal with Antonio Brown essentially trying to sabotage the entire season. And last year, the guy still has a chance to get into the playoffs. I mean, they're still right there with no quarterback. You know, Roethlisberger hurt. And that, to me, was a sign of just how great he could be. So, uh, but it's a it's a good list. I think Zimmer, 10, 10 makes sense. And I think the 10 really is only based on getting to the Super Bowl, you know, and, and, and being one of those guys. A lot of those guys on that list, most of them, I believe, uh, have won Super Bowls. And I think all of them except Zimmer have led a team to the Super Bowl. So that's really the only gap between Zimmer and, I think, 7, 8, 9, man. But I uh, I respect the list a lot, man. What about you? Before we get back to the conversation, I want to remind you that there is no shortage of action going on right now at our exclusive partners at betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag, use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus, that's one word, Blue Wire. Bet online, your online wagering experts. I think it's a right on list in terms of the names that you got. You, like you said, you could shuffle them a little bit. Kyle Shanahan getting his recognition. Uh, if you've blown two Super Bowl leads, that means you were in the Super Bowl twice. I mean, I know he was an <laughs> offensive coordinator once, and he didn't offensive coordinate their way out of that Super Bowl. They were up 28-3, to and he also didn't offensive coordinate their way out of a, a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. It's one of those things that annoys me very much about people saying, well, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, who knows if he's really a great quarterback. Dude, he put his team up 10 points in yeah. the Super Bowl by playing really well. And he got a pass batted down, and all of a sudden you're saying he's not good. Uh, yeah. feel, feel free to make a stop on third and 15. But anyway, yes. a little different conversation. Zimmer is the only one here as well without locked-in job security, I think. So, I mean, if it goes tremendously bad for Mike Tomlin, it's always possible. But you're asking yourself, are we really going to get a better coach than Tomlin? Doug Peterson's magic might run out if they miss the playoffs this year. But would you fire him? I don't know about that. Zimmer is sitting here looking at all these other guys who have job security and are loved and thought of as the top coaches. And his name is in this conversation without a contract extension. 
that is a bizarre thing to feel because I can't say decidedly and look at the other coaches that were not included in this list and say decidedly, oh, no, 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 this, this guy or that guy is way better than Mike Zimmer. I can't say that about too many people. I mean, maybe you'd have Bruce Arians in this conversation as well, you know, um, if you think he's still got his fastball, which I guess we'll find out this year. Maybe you'd have him over Zimmer instead. But to be right there and not have a contract extension, I, I think it tells you about the circumstances post-2017 and just where you set the bar as an organization and maybe – in some ways unfair to set the bar at get back to the NFC championship game when you probably peaked and came down the other side of the mountain. But I also think that there are reasons to wonder, like, is Zimmer modern enough to be on this list Mm. as somebody who wants to run the ball more often? I mean, maybe that's part of it. Or somebody who openly makes fun of their analytics department at the combine when he gets asked about it, right? Like, I mean, a lot, a lot of the common thread here is, Belichick and a bunch of other guys that are very progressive, modern, even Andy Reid is old, but has always been sort of a forward thinker. Where's Doug Peterson on the list? He's ninth. So, I mean, their difference is Doug Peterson wins that NFC championship game and goes on to the Super Bowl and wins it. So, you know, I think, yeah, the modern thing, I mean, Shanahan, McVay, guys like that, you're going to see more and more of those guys. I mean, Matt LaFleur takes his team to the NFC Championship. I think this list will get younger, much like the quarterbacks in this league. Suddenly you're going to see more turnover, I think. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you're going to see uh, some younger guys move up the list. But uh, I think Zimmer with no contract extension, all the uncertainty here, uh, it's a lot of pressure on him, but it's also hard to feel sorry for him. Just in that, what happened in 2017, no matter how you see it, I think he accepted the burden of this is our window. And I think yeah. he preached that and promoted that. And I think when you endorse the signing of a Kirk Cousins, that's you saying we got a chance. You know, when, when you have the defensive pieces they have, uh, when you bring in the weapons that they had, you're saying and communicating we got a chance. You know, watch out for us in the next three to four years. So I think to in that stretch without a, a run, I mean, you beat New Orleans on the road. That was impressive. But without any real proof that you're a legit contender and, and to watch San Francisco go from a four-win team to a team that now you've got to deal with to get to the Super Bowl. And I understand they got Garoppolo, and I understand there are a lot of elements that changed for the 49ers, but what really changed was Kyle Shanahan. And they had a coach who was one of the best coaches in the league. So I think to watch other people kind of wave the magic wand uh, over their franchises, that hurts Zimmer as well because he's not the consistent Mike Tomlin guy who's kind of always there in the mix. Uh, and he's not one of these young, innovative guys who, you know, can just kind of hit the switch and all of a sudden you've got Aaron Rodgers playing better, you're Matt LaFleur, and uh, that's sort of the trend, bringing the young coordinator. So it's almost like his, has the game passed him by? And I think we're going to find out, to your point, in 2020, if that's true or not. But I also think Zimmer knew what was coming, and he understood the position he was in after 2017. Yeah, he right. He wouldn't have quit after 2017 because expectations are going to be high. Um, yeah. the, the point on Tomlin, though, 
I do think that there's a lot of similarity there between more recent Tomlin and Zimmer, where Ben Roethlisberger has not been superhuman over the last, I don't know, five or six years, and Tomlin is always in the mix, and when quarterback things went really wrong, he still finds a way to get you eight wins, and that's one thing that Zimmer does is he puts a floor that's very high that if things go really wrong, tremendously wrong, like they did in 2016, you still end up with eight wins. But I also think there's a, an order of operations type of thing with Zimmer's, uh, I guess, his history of how it's happened that influences us. I mean, even in 2016, if they go eight and eight and they go, you know, I don't know, two and three out of the gate and finish eight and eight, we go, well, that was not bad considering you lost your quarterback to start the season. But they went 5-0, and yeah. and then they collapsed. And if you went to the NFC Championship game in Philadelphia and you lost, you'd go, well, okay. I mean, great year, though. But you lost 38-7. You got yep. murdered there in Philadelphia. Yeah. And even to some extent, what happened this last year is you went out to San Francisco and just weren't really very competitive in that game. And your defense got run over in that game, just like it did in the NFC Championship. And when you peaked in your third year and set the bar high, then everything else was a disappointment, even though you've come away with a well above 500 record over the last two years. And then there's the, you poured $84 million into a quarterback. So the way it's all happened uh, influences the way that we look at what the head coach has done. Plus, I think he burns hot and he's a very emotional type of coach and he will let loose at, at times and I think alienate people and and make people around him uncomfortable with how, I guess, competitive would be a very nice way of saying it, but also sometimes it seems like he can pour gasoline on fires. That, yes. you know, when you have an offensive coordinator who you're not getting along with and you just have to fire him, that doesn't look like you resolved the situation. It looks like you made it worse. And yeah. that has happened a couple of times with, with different people throughout his time there. So that matters. All right, before we wrap up real quick, a little game of would you take Zimmer or this guy or they're the same? Okay. So I'm just going to throw some other coaches at you and would you trade Mike Zimmer for them? How about Sean McDermott in Buffalo? Would you trade him for Sean McDermott? No. Would you trade him for Kevin Stefanski? (laughs) Some people in the organization would. I heard that last year. Ah. No, but I get the conversation. I, I understand the conversation. I'm, I'm going to go maybe. I'm going to go maybe. Yeah, well, I'm a maybe. I'm a I maybe. want to see it, but I really like a lot of the things Stefanski did last year, especially given the circumstances where they told you, yeah, you got to actually have Gary hanging out with you. And yeah. they were – I mean, their offense just shot up from 2018. How about Mike Vrabel? Did you take Mike Vrabel or Mike Zimmer? Uh, give me Vrabel. I mean, really? it's hard to deny. Yeah, well, it's hard to deny what he did. Yeah, last year and seems like a player's coach. I, I like Vrabel. I'll take him. How about Frank Reich? Oh man, seven and nine with Jacoby Brissett starting is not yeah. bad. Yeah, uh, I still would stick with. I think they're the same. I mean, I don't know that they're that different. I'm still sticking with them. How For me, about- it's you got to be better. To me, it's if you're the same, I'm keeping them. How about Ron Rivera? Ooh. I mean, it's Super Bowl five years ago, right? Um, I'm thinking Ron Rivera. I, I'm taking him. Yeah, I think he's proven himself in that stretch. 
Cliff Kingsbury. Would you take Cliff Kingsbury over Zimmer? Oh. You, get the, you get the most attractive coach. You get the guy who's the most modern. You do not get Kyle uh, Kyler Murray with him. But would you yeah. trade straight up for the young and sexy coach? Um, no, I'm not. I, I'm not. I mean, I think I think Arizona is actually going to be a very interesting team in year two. So I think if you ask me next summer, that might be a different conversation, but not yet. I got to see more from Kingsbury, who didn't really win a bunch in college, had all these weapons. Uh, I need to see more film. Right. Yeah, you go – I mean, even though they didn't have much to work with in a rookie quarterback, you go 5-10-1. That's not exactly a reason to put him in the Hall of Fame just yet. Yeah. But that, that would speak to the, like, is that the type of guy that you want instead of Zimmer? And for me, I don't care how you get there. Andy Reid's old, and he's the best offensive mind. Kubiak's old. He's really good at offense doesn't matter how you get there exactly. I think from a head coach, the one thing you need to be better is that at times, not every time, but at times when things have gotten really hairy, Zimmer has not always handled it the way that maybe he should have. You know, yeah. 2016, he said some things where – and then the, the cornerbacks took it out on him in Green Bay and the DeFilippo situation. You know, I get – that it's not working out with your offensive coordinator, but you don't have to let the whole world know every week in your press conference, and you also don't have to bury him every week after when you compare yeah. him to Kevin Stefanski. Like there are things like that that uh, alienated some people that you could criticize, but the the bottom line is that he's won a heck of a lot of games, and it is curious that he does not have a contract extension. Myron Metcalf, ESPN, a great man, a great golfer. You're going to be covering golf soon for ESPN. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> it might be terrible. We'll see. Don't look forward to it yet. It might be terrible. Well, well golf is all we have left in this world at the moment. So golf and NASCAR. Uh, well, anyway, always appreciate getting together with you, Myron. Great stuff, and we'll talk to you again soon. See you, man. Thanks for having me. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele. Our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. What a World Cup for Megan From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.